the choir. Good morning. I know many of you have a habit of taking notes, and I hope that there's uh, always bread or meat or something for you to, to take and to meditate and to chew on, if you would, for a few days. But I'd encourage all of you to take a, a pen and a paper right now. I want everyone to write this word down. I want you to circle it, and I want you to spend these next days, maybe the rest of your life, pondering and meditating upon this one word. I believe the most important word in the Bible, the most significant claim of the Scriptures, and that is this word resurrection. Resurrection. R-E-S-U-R-R-E-C-T-I-O-N. You see, as we look at Scripture, especially as we read through the New Testament, every one of us is confronted with this claim of Jesus, this claim of life eternal, this claim of our own resurrection. You see, as we read through Scripture, resurrection must either be affirmed, denied, or explained away. Resurrection is the hinge upon which Christianity swings. If resurrection is true, the rest of Christianity is as well. If there is no resurrection, as we just heard, and as Paul said, we are to be men and women most pitied. A mentor of mine, as we were talking and as he shared some of his experiences and we began to talk through the miracles of, of, of the Gospels and the Scriptures and, and he just paused and he said, well, do you believe in the resurrection? If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then the other miracles kind of fall in place, don't they? If you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then you'd step back and you'd be very skeptical of the other miraculous claims of the Bible. Resurrection sheds light on what we believe and how we interpret the other Scriptures. My mic is wandering. Here we go. Paul put it so well in 1 Corinthians 15-12, If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has, been, has not been raised, our preaching is in vain. Your faith is vain. And moreover, we've been found to be false witnesses, liars against God, because we have claimed that He has risen, He has, he has resurrected His own Son. Resurrection is the key event of Scripture. So how do we explain, how do we understand resurrection? What do we mean by resurrection? How do we deal with this? How has it been handled in throughout history? Let me share with you just some ideas, and you'd be familiar with some of these. I, I guess there's always new ones coming along. I learned a few new possibilities of what happened to Jesus. But as we read through these theories, and as we read through some of the really absurd and ridiculous explanations of, of what could have happened, it just validates the point is that we have to deal with resurrection. You have to deal with it as you explore the life of Christ. Here's what people have said the possibilities are. Well, and the first two are kind of related. The first one is that the disciples of Jesus stole the body. 
They took the body and they hid it away so that nobody could find it. And then they made these claims and they fabricated this story of resurrection. I find it interesting that the Scripture again is clear that Roman soldiers were assigned to the tomb. The tomb was sealed. It was guarded. And these Roman soldiers were to guard this tomb at the jeopardy of their own lives if something were to happen to that tomb. Related to this idea is the idea of a missing body, of another group, thieves or someone else came along and or enemies of Jesus came along and, and took the body themselves. Again, you have the problem of the Roman soldiers. And if it was an enemy of Jesus or something like that, you have the logical problem of, well, if they're making these claims of resurrection, then, hey, we'll show you where the body is. Others claim that the women and the, the disciples went to the wrong tomb. Well, that seems like an easy fix that somebody would have figured out, well, guys, I think it's this one over here. The swoon theory is probably the most academic theory that's accepted as a, a possibility. The idea that Jesus really wasn't dead when He was taken off of the cross and that uh, in a dark tomb, being refreshed by the coolness of the tomb over a, a day or so, He uh, revived himself and found his way to the to the right part of the, the tomb to be able to push that big rock out of the way by himself. And then he wandered off and died somewhere. The drugged body theory. He drugged himself before the crucifixion to give the appearance that he died prematurely. This is one that I appreciate as the father of twins that Jesus had a twin. You didn't know that, did you? The vision theory that, that his disciples begin to have these dreams and, and visions of Jesus after his death, and they begin to talk about these, and this is the, the legends and the stories that began to develop out of these dreams and visions that they shared with each other. Another one that I had never heard of before was the hip, hypnosis theory that Jesus put his uh, disciples into some kind of hypnotic state. So that after his death, these post-hypnotic suggestions came to be in the disciples and they believed he was raised from the dead, but that was only suggested through this uh, trickery of hypnosis that Jesus had performed while he was alive. Some pretty amazing <laughs> ideas, huh? But again, it proves, it points us to the reality that we have to do something with resurrection. We have to do something because it is that hinge point upon which the gospel story swings. As we move into our more contemporary thoughts and ideas, there are two ideas of those who embrace resurrection that, that reside today. One is that resurrection is simply a spiritual event. That when they talk about resurrection, they don't talk about a, a physical or bodily resurrection of any kind. That the resurrection and promises of Scripture are spiritual and they're not physical. The future is devoid of any bodily or physical presence. We experience resurrection spiritually here. And certainly we talk about that, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments of how we experience foretastes of resurrection in this life as an anticipation of that final and ultimate resurrection. Phil, let's go to let's go back here. 
Thank you. Sorry. So this idea of spiritual resurrection, it's one that, that many contemporary modern folks embrace because they, they don't want to embrace the idea of physical or bodily resurrection. So let's talk about that, that other option, this idea of bodily resurrection. It seems to me this is what the scriptures teach. This is what the early church believed, and this is what the early church wanted to pass down to those that would follow Christ is the reality and the promise of physical bodily resurrection. And certainly, as we would see the resurrection of Jesus, we don't understand fully what that means. But they made a point, the gospel writers, for us to understand that, that Jesus had a physical presence when he came back from his death. In the gospel of John, Jesus talks and invites Matthew to touch him. Touch the scars. Touch my body. Why? Because I have a body. I'm present. I'm real. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke 24. Luke deals with this in a, in a very significant way in the last verses of, of his gospel. Luke 24. Verse 38, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Again, this idea, this struggle that even the early disciples had with the bodily resurrection of Jesus, that he just appeared to be there and, and they were really struggling with that idea. And so here's what Jesus says, see my hands and my feet, that is that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Again, touch, feel, I'm, I'm a physical presence. I have a physical body in this place. And then verse 42, they gave him, uh, verse 41, while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. There's two things that ghosts and spirits can't do. Number one is they can't be touched. And number two is they don't eat. And so it's fascinating that in this, this last account of, of Luke's gospel that he wants us to understand that Jesus was present before them physically and he could be touched and he ate. So what does it mean as we continue to ask the further question, what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, I am the life, well, we, we take this from the story of John 11, the story of Lazarus. So turn there with me now in your scriptures. It's a story that we're familiar with. And in fact, a few, uh, about a year and a half ago, we preached through the gospel of John and we talked about the signs of John's gospel. And, and the resurrection of Lazarus was a key sign. But we focus a little bit more on this confession, this revelation of Jesus where he says he is resurrection and life. Remember the story? Lazarus was one of Jesus' good friends. Lazarus lived with his sisters, Mary and Martha and Bethany, and the disciples were out. They were away from Jerusalem and Bethany at that time, and they received word that Lazarus was sick. But instead of going immediately, Jesus stayed for a couple of days, and then he began to make his way towards Jerusalem and towards Bethany. And his disciples said, oh, but Jesus, remember, they're trying to kill you in Bethany and in Jerusalem. We can't go there. 
Besides, you said Lazarus was just asleep. He wasn't really dead. And Jesus says, no, Lazarus is dead. And I go, we go so that God would be glorified. Verses 14 through 15, Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. Lazarus is dead as they make their way to Bethany. Let's step back now and, and make this question relevant to us today. Do you know Lazarus? Do you know Lazarus today? Do you know someone that, that again, we're, we're going on a spiritual level here. Do you know someone that physically is alive, but, but they're dead? Emotionally, relationally, they're dead. That there's no life within them. Do you know Lazarus? Is there anyone here today that is Lazarus? You'd say, you know, I, I just, I'm just dead inside. I've been knocked down. I've been beaten. I've been abused. And I'm Lazarus. I'm in the tomb. And, and I, it looks like I'm alive and, and, and going and everything's fine. But you know what? I'm, I'm dead. Is death the experience? Is it the frame of life by which you live today? Lazarus is dead. But the good news of Scripture is that Jesus is life. This is the primary, the fundamental teaching of John's gospel. It starts that way. John 1.4, Jesus says, John says about Jesus, In him, in Jesus, was life. John 6.48, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. John 10.10, 10, I, I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. Last week we talked about John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Today we speak of John 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, Lazarus is dead, but Jesus is life. And this is the good news of Scripture. This is the promise of the Gospels. We are in need of resurrection because resurrection conquers death. Resurrection is victorious over death. Resurrection comes in and steals the victory that death tries to proclaim. This morning, our question is, where are you experiencing death? What stones need to be removed from your life? Where does God want to show his glory through your life and through the deaths that you're experiencing? From what tomb is Jesus calling you from? Listen to John chapter 11. Listen as he speaks to Mary and Martha. Where have you laid him? Where's Lazarus? As he comes to the tomb, as he stands before the tomb, as he stands before that stone and he cries out, remove that stone. Remove that stone. Oh, but Jesus, the stench is so great. Remove that stone and you will see the glory of God. What stones are standing in the way of you seeing the glory of God? 
finally, Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. In John 10, we learn that Jesus is the good shepherd and, he, and, the, and his sheep know his name. Imagine Lazarus in that tomb and whatever was taking place, he heard the good shepherd cry out and call out his name, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And today, he calls your name, he calls my name from the graves and the tombs that we experience to come forth. Where do you need resurrection today? First and foremost, we all need resurrection from the sin of our lives. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we all live in the context of death. Why? Because we're all sinners. And the wage and the payment of our sin, the daily payment of our sin is death. As we sin, we experience deaths in our lives, and that will ultimately culminate in our physical death as we are spiritually dead without Him. Jesus is the beginning point of all resurrection and of life. You see, life on earth is filled with the wages of sin, deaths of all kinds. We need resurrection. And Jesus says, I am resurrection. Without Jesus in our lives, we live in a perpetual state of death, experiencing the tastes of death throughout our life, again, culminating in this life with our physical death. With Jesus, we live in a perpetual state of resurrection in life. When we receive him, when we experience him as a resurrection, we live in that resurrection life. And throughout life in this place, amongst the deaths that we experience, we experience the tastes of resurrection, the foretasting, the foreshadowing of the life that is to come and that is culminated in our final and ultimate resurrection after life in this place is finished. You see, resurrection precedes and anticipates the life that God calls us to live. And God calls us, Christ calls us to live a life of freedom in Him. You see, our resurrection anticipates that freedom. Look down at John eleven forty four. I find it interesting that, that the story didn't stop in verse 43. It could have easily stopped there. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And we would have known he would have come forth. We could have stopped right there. But we continue on. And the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his faith, face was wrapped with, around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. I believe this is a truth that many of us live today. We've experienced the deaths of life. We've heard Jesus call our names. We've come forth from the tomb. 
And we've stood there at the entrance to that tomb with our faces wrapped with those grave clothes, bound by those grave clothes, and we've stayed there. And we've stayed there bound, wrapped, and said, oh, wow, isn't it great to be alive? Isn't it great to be resurrected? And we stand there. And at some point we go, wow, this is great. I thought resurrection was greater than that. I thought it was something more than this. And isn't it fascinating that Jesus makes the point to tell those that are there, go, unbind him. Let him go. You see, Jesus has brought life to us. He's, he's brought resurrection. But until we're willing to take off those grave clothes, until we're willing to be unbound to live the life he's called us to, we will continue to remain miserable. We will continue to remain tied to that death and to those deaths we've experienced. Jesus not only calls our names, he says, now be unbound. Go and live life. Paul puts it this way. In Galatians 5.1, he says, It was for freedom that Christ set you free or set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. We've been set free. We've been called from the tomb. We've been unwrapped from those grave clothes that we might experience the freedom of life in Christ. Don't go back to that yoke of slavery. Don't, don't retie. Don't stay bound by those grave clothes. Now live life. So the question for us today, are you living that resurrection life? Are you living the life of freedom? Or are you still living that life bound by the grave? Imagine if Lazarus would have tried to live like that. He would have been so frustrated. Everywhere he went, he would have been reminded and restricted by his earlier death. He would have never achieved or experienced the richness of his new life. Are you bound today? Do you have grave clothes that still need to be shed? Guilt that's bound you? Christ didn't come to bind us in the guilt of sin. He came to free us. And to give us life. Are you still living as a slave? This morning hear him say to you. Unbind him. Hear him say to you. Let her go. You see it was for freedom. That Christ set you free. And as Jesus would have asked Martha. The same question he asks us today. Do you believe this? You see, Jesus is, according to Colossians 1.18, the firstborn from the dead. According to 1 Corinthians 15.20, now Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who are asleep, of those who have died, of those who will die. You see, his resurrection from the dead anticipates, precedes, guarantees our resurrection. You can have life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's pray.
Father, the truth is that there is a great mystery in life and in death and in resurrection. And so by faith, we come to the scriptures looking for clues, looking for insight into what resurrection means. And Father, we would pray that through the power of your spirit, that that each of us today would experience life, would experience resurrection from the deaths that we've suffered, would experience the hope and the promise of eternal resurrection once these bodies pass away. Father, strengthen our faith to believe this. Grow us deeper that we might live in light of resurrection. Lord, give us those glimpses, those foretastes of resurrected life. For those that are still bound, that are are not free from the the sin and the deaths of their past, this morning may they be unbound, may they take off those grave clothes, and may they experience you in life in new ways. And there are some here today who for the first time would say, I've heard the voice of the shepherd call. He's called me from the tomb. He's called me from the death of my sins. He's called me to be free in Him, to experience life fresh and anew. If that's your testimony, then then you come or you visit with us after worship today. and We'd love to walk with you through these steps. But now as we sing, it's your chance to, to look inwardly, to reflect, to pray, to surrender to the Lord, to experience resurrection and life from the Master. Let's stand and sing together. Thank you for being here. I hope you've had a wonderful July 4th weekend. It's been a, a little different schedule for us with it, some of us.
having a four-day weekend, and so I hope you've had a good time with family and friends. You've rested, and you're ready to go. Uh, Rob, I, I didn't get a chance to hear Rob's testimony, but we've had a chance to visit, and, and I know you are blessed to hear uh, how God is moving and working through the, the teams that are coming here to help with relief in the affected areas, and how we, as we have members going still into the field, but as we provide this place of hospitality, this place of rest and of, of renewal, refreshment for our work teams that are coming in. So be in prayer. We have a group of about 80 to 100 that we're expecting this week at the Family Life Center. So uh, be in prayer as this ministry continues on and as folks from literally all over the country are coming to our area, to our church, to assist in relief efforts. Remember, as you go into this world, that Jesus is the resurrection in life. And if you've experienced that, then we are to go and live in resurrected ways in front of those that we live next to, that we work with, that we share life with. May they see resurrection in us. And may that point them to the resurrection and the life. Father, thank you for this truth. Allow us to grasp its meaning. Go with us now. May we celebrate you. May we be unbound by what binds us. May the grave clothes be stripped away that we might live in the freedom of the one who died and rose again. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.